This is Sleep On It. first series, we explore sleep and how it impacts those with ADHD. Dr. Sarah Gilchrist talks about exercise and how it can impact sleep and promote homeostatic balance. And also how exercise can help support a better night's sleep for those with ADHD. With me now is Dr. Sarah Gilchrist, who's a sleep health wellness performance expert. And I've got here that you're, you're prior UK Sports Institute and British Rowing. That's right. Tell yeah. me about that. What's that about? I was a physiologist, so I wasn't in the boat myself. Oh, I thought you were actually in there getting, getting no. some, some <laughs> rowing down the river or something. Uh, no, no, I was all about the support team. So ah, the team okay. behind the team. Yeah. And, and what is it you do in your sort of your day to day job? If you to describe well, that, to yeah, me. get up very early and um, make sure that the athletes were in tip-top condition to perform training sessions. So, working with coaches and athletes, working on their physiology, making sure that they were heading towards being in the best state possible to get across the finish line first, whether that's world champs, Olympics, Paralympics. Oh, wow. And yeah. presumably, a big part of that is sleep. Isn't Huge it? part and of it, sure yeah. Making sure they a good night's sleep. And that was, that's what stemmed my interest, really, in, in sleep and exercise, was the fact that we were heading towards a home Olympics, so quite a way back now, mm. and we noticed that the recovery time of the athletes wasn't as it could be. They were obviously getting a lot of media demands and called into London a lot around training, and, and rowing is a sport where you have to get up very early anyway. Why? <laughs> because the water is calm, it's quiet. Oh, so we had okay. a centralised training oh, venue, so you're not on a river with boats no. and other people or anything, but it's it's you have more chance to get training sessions in the earlier you get up. You have a significant number of training sessions in a week to fit in. Wow. Um, but the water is better earlier in the morning. I would never Beautiful have known glass that. Water. It's just calm, isn't it? Mm. But surely that, on the whole. they don't then race... <laughs> At that time of day, do they? No, they don't. No, no. So I presume they'd still have to deal with choppy waters during. Yeah, and there have been world championships where you know you would query whether or not some of the races should go ahead when there's uh, white tips of water down the coast, down the course. But uh, yeah, it's just it's an opportunity. It's a tradition in the sport. It's a culture in the sport. But there's also logistical and practical reasons around it as well. Of course, I never would have realised. Never Mm. realised. So, um, so we talked about sleep already. So you know, this is a, a podcast about sleep. How did you sleep last night? Uh, it's very well, thank you. Yes, you I've did. got two young children, which do tire me out. Okay. Um, and uh, the youngest did sleep through, so that helps. <laughs> they slept through for the first time? No, she's, oh, okay. she's at school, but I think when they're going through that development stage and they've had a lot of excitement, it's been her birthday. Oh, I can imagine and, uh, it. Now. All of that. Sometimes they, you know, have a, have a little moment early morning where she wakes up. But Yeah, how wonderful. Good. So your interest in sleep and exercise, because the two the two come hand in hand. How did that sort of develop? Where did, where did that come from? It was from working with with the rowers, actually, and the fact that um, I was lucky enough to be in a position where I could do a doctoral research program mm. in, in my job. Um, and that's what my thesis was about, was sleep and athletic performance. And so that's where my uh, interest stemmed, the fact that my job was about ensuring people or athletes were in the best state possible to deliver consistent training programs. And then when I moved on from working in sport, I took that thesis and thought, well, sleep and athletic performance, you can transfer that to sleep and performance and the whole uh, aspect of how we can consistently deliver what we need to do 
in our daily lives. And, and exercise forms a big part of that in the relationship that it has with sleep. Mm. I've read some books. I'm not a sleep expert, fascinated by it, but not an expert. I've read a couple of books about, um, well, quite a lot of books. Um, I read somewhere that there's there's a, a growing area around uh, when you dream, you can you can control your dream. There's a type of dream called lucid dream where you can control your dreams. And I've heard... You're looking at me with a look of what the hell is he going to say now? <laughs> and I've heard that uh, some athletes can actually improve their performance by dreaming that they're exercising or performing their whatever it is they do. Have you heard about that? Or you're looking at me as with I've not, not researched that specifically, but I would say that's probably linked to the fact that it, the psychologists would use a lot of imagery with the athletes. Yes, so exactly. they're, they're, they're in their mind, they're going mm. through the motions of what they need to do to perform the particular task in their mm. sport. And certainly there's a there's a school of thought around taking on board information before you sleep. So therefore, memory consolidation mm. during sleep, you then wake up in a better place and yeah. day to remember that task. Yeah. So I would imagine that that's where yeah, the research came from has that. come from. Is that an avenue you think you can explore now? Not myself personally, no, no. <laughs> I'm much more on the, the physical side. The physical exercise the side of things. Side. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and, and touching upon this, the whole ADHD thing, how, how can exercise work with ADHD to, to give people a better night's sleep? Because quite often people who are suffering with ADHD will struggle with their sleep. Not mm. all the time, but sometimes they do. What, what kind of um, exercise routines can they get into for that to help? There's certainly a lot of growing research and, and the headline is there needs to be more done. But for children over six years old and through to adulthood, they're thinking that an hour of, of physical activity a day, and that doesn't have to be concentrated exercise bout for an hour. It's that, that, that general physical activity for an hour or more a day certainly helps children or adults with ADHD in terms of their executive function. And that's related to um, things like uh, attention to detail, uh, grasping, information recall. Those kind of functions are, are in a, an area of the brain that is, I believe, particularly affected if you have ADHD. Mm. Um, so exercise can help with that aspect of, of your development. So if you've got a, a child with ADHD, then it may be that they are calmer in class, for example. They're uh, more able to take on board information in class, for example, if they've have, had an element of, of physical activity to their mm. day. And I always <laughs> say that the phrase physical activity, because when I talk about exercise and sleep, when I've been dealing with clients or, or corporate audience in the past, people think that I'm referring to the fact that you need to be training for a marathon. Go to the gym or something not, like Yeah, that. and it's, yeah. it's not that. The relationship with sleep and exercise is reciprocal. It's, a, it's that two-way relationship. But it, it's physical activity. So it could be walking the dog in the park. It could be yoga. It could be Pilates. It could be training for a marathon. But an element of physical activity to your day. There is a school of thought for certainly executive function and, and also the fact that, you know, exercise makes you tired. So there, there is that aspect that, you know, where a, a child or an adult might struggle to get to sleep. We certainly know that exercise helps you have deeper sleep, it helps you get to sleep quicker, and it helps you sleep for longer. Um, so you, you marry the two up in terms of the reciprocal relationship that sleep and exercise have anyway, and the added benefit that exercise has with ADHD, it stands to reason that it could be a non-pharmacological tool to aid sleep with, with children or adults mm. with ADHD. So it's really just not sitting down. It's yeah, and and movement is best. A sedentary lifestyle mm. isn't conducive to good sleep. So yeah, mm. moving is best. And, and that's interesting. So you, you talk about not being specifically the gym or 
training for a marathon. Um, are there more are there t- different types of exercise that are more beneficial than others? It's very much individual dependent. So like what what you enjoy doing, you're uh, going to be, for general health, you're going to be more motivated to do some physical activity if it's something you enjoy rather than feeling that you've got to endure this hour of physical activity. Because <laughs> Which I must I'm say, doing... I'm there. I can't stand the gym and all that sort of thing, but I'm yeah. very active yeah. in the things that I do. Yeah, and that's great. And, and seeking activity outside will help as well in terms of your body's circadian rhythm, mm. knowing whether it's light or day. And particularly seeking daylight in the first third of the day can be particularly okay. useful in relation to sleep. Um, so, so yeah, it doesn't need to be something that you have to enjoy. It could be a yoga class in the evening after work. It could be walking the dog, like I say, or, or swimming. Whatever works for you. Mm. Sleep is very much individualized, but so is a person's relationship with mm. physical activity. You've got to be motivated to do it. Mm. And if you sleep well, you will be more motivated. I was going to, to pick up on that. You said that they, they kind of come hand in hand and if you exercise, you sleep better and if you sleep better. What, what's that relationship with more sleep mean you exercise more? Not necessarily that you exercise more. It's just that motivation okay. to do the physical activity. Mm. And it's not dose dependent either. So you don't have to like start doing, you know, a, a one mile walk. And then, you know, in order to maintain the benefits with sleep, you have to then move to do a five mm. or 10 mile walk. It's just having that regular consistent movement mm. of physical activity aids aids sleep. Mm. And, and, and is there, you know, I'm sure I've read that you shouldn't exercise within an hour of bedtime. Is Is there a sort of a, an optimum time or is it again dependent on the individual uh, yeah it used to be you would hear the, the read the research and it'd be like well yeah definitely there's a cutoff time and you shouldn't exercise in in the evening or too late in the evening you shouldn't exercise too close to bed but it is individualized so with people's lifestyles often that is the time they fit in the exercise bout is is in the evening and i always say with that, try and have your main meal at lunchtime and then a snack either side of the exercise bout in the evening so that you're not having a heavy, large meal mm. after exercise preceding bed straight away. But I don't know anybody that would go for a run in the evening, walk in the door, take their trainers off and get straight into bed. <laughs> no, no. So typically an hour, and you know, between finishing exercise and getting to sleep an hour is, is sufficient but, you know, you, you're asking your core temperature to, to come down, all of the hormones, adrenaline to drop. So it's very much individualized as to how you recover from exercise. It's also important to hydrate, take on board some food, even if it's a snack, and and stretch and do all those kind of things. So by the time you've done that after you've exercised in the evening, you'll be in a more relaxed mm. state to get to bed anyway. Mm. And, and is that what is that how you work with people? You, you look at their their lifestyle, see what their routines are throughout 24-hour periods and work with them to improve that by way of exercise and when, when it can fit into their schedules. Yeah, sure. It's like taking, looking at a holistic approach and th- there's no point sort of dictating to someone or you should do it at this time because it's a, like I say, sleep is individualised. I would say be pragmatic. Yes, have a routine around your sleep and a, a routine mm. around where the exercise fits into your day. Um, but you have to be pragmatic. Life gets in the way. But if on the whole, you personalize that sleep window, you protect your sleep window, you value your sleep and you recognize that it's something that needs a regular routine on on the whole throughout the working week, you're in a much better place than if you were ignorant to those mm, facts. Mm. But accept that you might get ill, the kids might be ill, there's a work project you need to work like, that's fine, as long as you can get back into a routine as quickly as possible after that particularly temporary life stress. 
Uh, and that's the thing, isn't it? Is that there's a real life out there. That, you know, we, can, yeah. we can all see that you should do this, you should do that, have a regular time of getting out of bed every day, mm. um, regular time going to... Actually, it's difficult. Life gets in the way sometimes, yeah. doesn't it? And it yeah. is having that pragmatic view. What about medication? Because that can have quite an impact on people's sleep and on exercise, can't it? Yeah, and particularly when they do medical trials around new new drugs, they don't consider the effect on physical activity or the effect on sleep. They, they, mm. They're just looking at whether or not it's safe to put in the human body. Um, so certain medications will definitely impact on, on physical activity. They'll increase heart rate, they'll increase sweat rate. So you'll be dehydrated, they'll increase blood pressure. So certainly check with your GP if you are on medication or a new form of medication because there's also the interactions of different medications as mm. well. Some medications will help you do some physical activity. So for example, if you're on anti-inflammatories, if you've got... You know, painful swollen knee, for example. Mm. But even then, that's just putting a band-aid over the problem. Yeah, you need course. to, you know, step back and see what the real issue is. So it works both ways. But yes, certainly there are there is a relationship between medications and exercise in the sense that the body is not responding in the normal way. So always check with your GP before. You That's work. interesting because on, on on those 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 little bits of paper, no one ever really, generally reads, no. do they? It's, no. It doesn't say things about exercise, does it? No. It talks about you know you might feel nauseous or don't yeah. operate heavy equipment. But, yeah. But it never yeah. talks about. And it's interesting as well picking up on your reference to your heart rate might increase yes. as a result of some medication. Yeah. Presumably, actually, that, that, that can be quite dangerous yeah, to exactly. exercise with medication yeah. where already your heart rate is your elevated. Heart rate's elevated. And then you're going to go and do yeah. potentially a gym workout yeah. with an elevated heart yeah. rate. That, that can yeah. put you in quite, quite yeah. a dangerous yeah. position. Yeah, from a biochemical it? level, it's very dangerous. Electrolyte, the, the, the concentration of electrolytes, so potassium, things like that will, will change, will alter as well. So from a body balance point of view, so your body's homeostasis, your, your mm. body wants to maintain a state of balance and it operates in a very finite way in terms of maintaining that balance. So if anything is off kilter, so electrolyte balance, for example, due to the medications, mm. then you start exercising and you sweat and you lose electrolytes, your body very quickly will be in a state of imbalance that it doesn't like. Mm. And so, you know, potentially that could have really dangerous effects. Mm. So it's really important to, to check with your GP. And also the timing of when you take your medication, if it knows you, if you know you have some of these side effects, then maybe you can alter the time in which you take it around when you want to do your exercise bout. Mm. So it's you've got to work with your GP on that because you know it's a minefield, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Essentially, yeah. And, and I'd yeah. certainly never thought about the impact of medication on on doing physical exercise. Mm. And, and again, not just gym work, mm. but being physical, like going out for a walk or doing yeah. whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. Um, Breathlessness, yeah, yeah. sweat rates, everything. Yeah. And and also some medications make you thirsty, don't they? Mm -hmm. And you need to hydrate. Yeah. So again, yeah. that's presumably an important part of exercise. Very important. And you need two to three litres on average mm. a day to, to hydrate. But if you're exercising to the point where, or if it's a hot day and you're sweating more than normal or you're exercising in the gym, you're sweating, you know, you need to take on more, more fluids as well. Mm. So, and that's where, again, and, you know, maybe it's important that you get the electrolytes in as well, like mm. the, the energy drinks, if that's something that's appropriate for you to take. So, you know, it just it depends on the situation and the individual, but it's mm. it, but it's stopping and thinking yeah. before you get to a problem. And and does hydration have an impact on sleep as well? 
Yeah, it can do because we need one of the, the core mechanisms for our sleep is our core body temperature. So it, it has a circadian rhythm itself, a mm-hmm. natural rhythm itself, and it decreases in the evening. If we're dehydrated, our core body temperature is elevated. We'll also wake. It's like if you have an alcoholic drink in the evening for bed, you, you know, that's going to dehydrate you. You wake feeling hot and thirsty. So if you're dehydrated before you go to sleep, it's likely that, you know, you'll wake up, you'll have a dry throat, a dry mouth. You might have a little bit of a cough. Um, and and feel warmer and and thirsty in the night, so then a more mm. restless night's sleep. And so, have what's what's the suggestion? Is it make sure you have water before bed? Uh, yeah, I would. Uh, well, drink water throughout the day. So two to three liters throughout, you know, over the course of the day. Don't try and drink all of that in the evening before bed. <laughs> otherwise, and, you'll be waking up. I would suggest at some point. Up, and this is the thing. It's like it's, it's very much individualized. So it's completely normal to get up in the night and go to the toilet once or twice. That's normal. Age-related increase in urination in the night is is a thing. Um, so you know, it may be that you want to reduce the amount of fluids that you take on board that hour before bed and just look at the timing of when you're taking on board fluids but mm. don't avoid drinking water because you think you're going to you know impact on your sleep it's really important that you're hydrated yeah. and that's the difficult thing isn't it there's this constant balance with about yeah. a million different things isn't there well that's the, the body's homeostasis yeah. and that finite balance it doesn't mm. like to be too hot too cold too full too... and hormones you know that they're, they're they're everywhere and you know that that's what helps maintain our our balance mm. in our body and it's and, and that's what you do is you work with people to try and get some sort of sense of order yeah, it's, yeah, it's around educating people on their sleep health, really. So that routine around sleep and the regularity mm. of sleep, what sleep is, why we sleep, and mm. making making sure that it's incorporated into their lifestyle in a way that it's a pragmatic approach rather than idealistic. Mm. And that, again, it's that balance, isn't it, with everyday life, which is it's yeah. a in the ideal world, it would be wonderful for us all to do all these different things. But the reality is, we've got other things that mean we can't always do that. So just be a bit pragmatic about it. Um, now, someone like me, actually, full of energy, generally. Uh, so if I do exercise, it's going to wear me out. Presumably, that's a good thing. Yeah. 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 And 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 is an energetic person somebody who needs more exercise, or or is it not a simpler connection? I think that's a, a completely individualized approach in the sense that, yes, if you are more energetic, yes, exercise is going to benefit you, but it also may be that other things benefit you as well in terms of downtime and karma, mm. you know, so like reading, it's just completely individualized how you respond to exercise in the, in the, in the sense that whether you want to carry on doing it more and more but you have to be careful with exercise that you don't overtrain mm. so where you get particularly with endurance athletes we would get to the point where they've just done too much and there's not enough of that recovery it's an adaptation response your body has an exercise stress so okay. the body responds mm. you know adapts to that stress and you need the recovery time to adapt to that stress and, and you can have too much exercise no, yeah, you can get certainly with elite athletes. We would see that where they, you get what's called an overtraining response, where the body just is isn't adapting to the training response. Mm. It's got the dampened down effect on on the overload and the stress that it's had from the training. So you need to take a step back. You also need to be careful in terms of injury as well. Mm. And we know that there there is a, a relationship between if you have had poor sleep, um, injury rate 
is more likely or certainly increases. So whether that be because your reaction times are slow and you're on the rugby pitch and you're just not quite there for the tackle and you, yeah, you yeah. get taken out or you're running and you trip on the pavement um, or maybe it's an overuse injury that's just not healing because mm. your body's not having sufficient sleep. You know, it's, it's all... And I, intermingled I, I guess that that does come back to that point doesn't it that whilst more exercise means you'll sleep better if you're sleeping well mm. you'll be better at performing in yes. the exercise world and uh, yeah. and how, how much of a, of, a, of, a, of an impact is that on athletes if oh, they're not huge. getting enough sleep yeah so we know for example cognition and reaction time uh, ability to to recover uh, you know every aspect that goes into training so you have what we would call a determinants of performance model. So what does it take to win, mm. to be a 100-meter sprinter, to be a, to be a rower, to be a, a judo player? Mm. And, and all of those factors that go into making a winning performance, sleep impacts on those factors. So having a good night's sleep regularly isn't going to directly correlate with winning the gold medal at the Olympics. <laughs> so if I go to bed every night at the right time, I'm going to win a medal. That'd yeah, be great, that, wouldn't it? it doesn't work like that. <laughs> but in terms of the interplay of all the factors that go into a, a performance model, determinants of performance model, sleep, my argument for my thesis was that sleep is the biggest impact factor. The biggest impact factor? I would say so because oh, wow. it, it is the background to everything. So you can have good nutrition, you can have... Uh, good approach to training but if you sleep poorly you'll make poor choices around your mm. nutrition you won't be as motivated to train um, you certainly won't be able to train optimally so that was my argument is that sleep is the, is the impact factor on all the factors mm. that go into performance and, and again I guess that affects everyone's lives you know mm. Even the likes of me, who's clearly not an elite athlete, yeah, it impacts my performance in my work if I'm not having a good amount of rest, which is affected by not having enough exercise, yeah. and then the circle just continues, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, if you look at, I always think people ban the term wellness around, and I always try and put a definition around that, and that... The, the definition really for me is about consistently thriving. Mm. And thriving doesn't mean that you're always at the top of the tree. It's just, are you consistently able to perform life, like mm. do life, whether that be taking the kids to school, working from home, walking the dog, you know, functioning, or whether that be you've got a massive project and, you know, you've got to be away from home working on this project. You know, it could be anything. Mm. But if you can consistently perform and, and do that, sleep is the biggest impact factor on your ability to do that. Yeah. And and if there was one thing that you could share with the listeners, one simple tip, I mean, it's never going to be a simple tip, is it? I'm sure, but one mm. thing, thinking about exercise and thinking about sleep, what would your one tip be? If there was one thing people could change, what would it be? It's opportunity. It's giving yourself that opportunity oh, to have a have a, a bout of physical activity regularly throughout the week and a, and, and the opportunity to get to sleep and, and get to sleep well. Yeah. And I'm a typical kind of, I've always got too much to do so I don't go to the gym. I'm quite, like I said, I'm quite active. Yeah. But actually it's not just about the gym, is it's it? It's not, no. And it's, it's about, about having a, an yeah. active lifestyle. Yeah. Which, yeah. which makes the difference. So so get. Uh, I think you said um, opportunity is the mm -hmm. key thing, is give yourselves the opportunity to make sure you have exercise of some form of description mm -hmm. um, and to make sure you get you know, enough sleep as well. And, that, and that's the challenge, isn't it? But be pragmatic about it. Yeah, definitely being pragmatic. Idealistic, I think, encompasses all sorts of issues around people hanging on to what they must do 
and therefore you get sleeping sh- issues off the back of that. Yeah. Whereas being pragmatic means you're aware of what you need to do, so you will, you will, on the whole, return to what you need to do, but you're not ignorant to that fact. And, um, and it will therefore stand you in good stead in the long term, having that awareness about protecting, mm. personalising, valuing your sleep. So one final one final question. I don't think you're going to even have the answer to this, but it's sort of just jumping around in my head. How can you change someone's attitude towards that? Because there are people out there who are just not active, yeah. aren't they? But how, how can you change someone's outlook and, yeah. uh, and, uh, and help them to understand you need to be a bit more active? You know, if there's listeners who kind of think, oh, crikey, maybe that's me. You know, mm. maybe I am that person that's just just sat here all day mm. and I don't get up and I'm not, I'm not active. How how do you start addressing that? It's huge. I mean, it's it's behaviour change. So it's finding a way in which that individual can engage in that behaviour change for that aspect of their life. So it's the same as you would say, maybe with dietitians trying to get someone to eat better. It's like they're only going to do it if they see the rewards from doing it. So you need to find a way in which somebody recognises the benefits of making that change. Um, so often it's baby steps. It's like, okay, well, like instead of like your school's around the corner, instead of driving, walk, walk the children's mm. school, how much better do you feel after doing that over the course of two days, over the course of a week? You know, so it's making small incremental changes to someone's lifestyle. Um, but they have to want to do it themselves. You can't do it for them. You can't make them do it. No. And, that's, you, you, and then that's counterproductive, isn't it? Mm. I think in some cases. Well, uh, Dr. Sarah Gilkus, that's fascinating to talk to you. Thank you so You're much welcome. for coming in. And I thank shall you. make sure I have at least half an hour's exercise of some sort, even if it's walking the dog every day. But thank you for coming in. Thank you. Well, that was a really interesting insight. To help you reflect on what we've just been talking about is an immersive soundscape that's been specially composed for relaxation for those with ADHD. To learn more, go to thesleepcharity.org.uk. 